Welcome to the Inspire Your Life podcast. I am your host, Morgan Kimbaro. Our guest today is Michael Carrillo, founder of Winner Marketing and former Division One quarterback of my alma mater, San Jose State University. Michael, thank you for joining us. Spartan up, baby. That's Let's right, get... Spartans. We've got that Spartan <laughs> blood inside of us. We do. It's yeah. fun. Amen. It's, it's, it's there. It's not going anywhere anytime soon. Amen. We are warriors. Yeah. Let's go. Well, I'm really excited to have you. So we met through church. We actually yeah. met because you were wearing a San Jose State hat. I'm like, dude, I went to San Jose State, and then we hit it off. And from there, you know, we hung out and, you know, just have talked about many things, business, entrepreneurship, and we're like, dude, we should do a podcast. And so I really wanted to start just by talking about you, you know, your journey, right, playing Division One sports, right, Division One football, and then your journey into entrepreneurship. So let's start there. Yeah, uh, it's great to be on the show. It's great to connect with another Spartan. I always loved football. That was always the dream and the goal for, for me. I grew up wanting to be an NFL quarterback and knew what came with that lifestyle. I was pretty fortunate to be exposed to a lot of professional athletes when I was growing up and through middle school and high school and training with a lot of them. And that's what I wanted to be my, my whole life. That that was kind of the dream. And I think the reason that that was the dream was because growing up, they, they are kind of like superheroes. Like we look at pro athletes as superheroes. Like they, they don't have any financial problems. If they do, if they do a good job managing their money, they can give back, help out other people in, in a lot of different ways. And that was always appealing to me. I wanted to be in a place that I didn't have to worry about money or worry about my own needs and be in a place that I could help other people out and got an opportunity to play at San Jose State, and that dream was very much alive at that point. Went through a lot to get there. Not the biggest, fastest, strongest guy out there. Don't have the biggest arm. Not the freakiest athlete that <laughs> I've even been across, but just had a really, really intense work ethic. Had a really great desire to study and like make that my superpower is knowing the offense better than everybody else and understanding defenses and all that stuff better than everybody else. And all of those tr skills that I picked up during that time, I think I've transferred really well into being an entrepreneur. And so I got a chance to play a little bit professionally after San Jose State. Wanted to go play in the NFL. COVID hit. Some other things happened. I was playing in a minor league at the time and decided I wanted to start making money. You know, you're, you're playing in – I was playing indoor football – for a great program, great organization, loved everything that I had going on there, but was doing that so that I could get an opportunity to play at a higher level. And when COVID hit and everything sort of got pushed back, I didn't want to just wait around and, and see what was going to happen at that point. I had a real burning desire to start making an impact and start putting to use all the other things that I had been doing and learning and studying. And, uh, you know, grew up, my mom always was very sure that my brother and and myself took school seriously and so i wanted to explore those other sides of myself i knew myself as an athlete and i knew a lot of people that got out of college and continued to chase athletics because they didn't know what else was out there or maybe were afraid to put themselves out into a new environment and take on new risk and so i wanted to do that as early as possible and that's when i started the marketing company back in 2020 right after covid had ended our season in the ifl and 
it's been good. It's been there's been ups and downs like like anything else. But it's been it's been an awesome journey. I've I've learned so much and I'm really grateful that I've had that experience in playing football, going through the hard things that you do as a division one athlete, going through losing seasons, coaching changes, all those different things, getting kicked in the teeth a bunch to now getting into entrepreneurship, which is like you're always getting kicked in the teeth. So having a having a tolerance for that and knowing how to overcome that, uh, that's been probably one of the bigger things that I've taken from my time in playing sports and applying that to where I'm at now. And it's been awesome. I love I love what I'm doing. Amazing. So talk about that a little bit more, how your journey in athletics, playing football, prepared you to become an entrepreneur, right? To deal with the adversity, right? To be resilient because it's one thing to work for a company, but to actually start your own. I mean, that's a whole beast within itself. I mean, you are the quarter. You were the court. You played quarterback, and now you're the quarterback, right? Of of this company, right? Of of Winter Marketing. So talk a little bit about how the uh, f- you know football p- disip- you know gave you the discipline, right? Gave you the the follow through, the perseverance. Talk about that a little bit more, if you would. Yeah, absolutely. And I always like making the distinction that playing quarterback is so much different than playing football. Because it's true, like you, as a quarterback, you are kind of the liaison between your coaching staff and your players. You have to lead people. I, you know, I, I started playing at a junior college actually mm-hmm. um, here in San Diego, and I wasn't expecting to be the starter my first year. I was 18 years old. They, we had a, another quarterback there at the time that was like 21, and he'd been a bounce back from another Division One program. And I was expecting to just redshirt or gray shirt that year and not really play. And something happened, and he ended up not being at the school anymore. And so I was kind of thrown into that role. And I'm 18, and I'm playing with all these other guys that are – a lot of them are bounce backs. Some of these guys have been in the military and then came back to play football. And so I'm in a huddle as an 18-year-old with guys that are 21, 22. We had a 26-year-old fullback who was in the military before that. And, you know, I, I learned very quickly how to – navigate those relationships and a a lot of what entrepreneurship is navigating relationships and being a good people person you know I'm I'm definitely not I have people on my team that are so much smarter than me in some of the uh, things that we handle and I just love managing people motivating people helping them see their full potential helping them feel feel fulfilled in what they're doing and setting a culture and I think that's what a quarterback is it's somebody that can that knows the vision and can implement that into a team. So I think those are some of the things that I that I really have taken from from football into what I'm doing now and being a quarterback. And I think the other thing is just taking total responsibility. There's been plenty of times when I was playing that, you know, a receiver might have run the wrong route or a running back missed a blocking assignment or something happened. And rather than point fingers – which it's really easy to do in those situations by just taking responsibility and saying, well, I should have double-checked that he knew what he was doing or I should have spent more time with him in the week prior to know, make sure that he knew that on this d- play and this coverage, this is what he was supposed to do. Just taking total responsibility and learning that through playing sports I think has been, again, one of the bigger th- lessons that I've carried over into being a business owner and entrepreneurship because, you know, again, like, it, the easy way out is to blame other people. The easy way out is to just say, oh, they should have done this or they should have done that. But at the end of the day, that where, like, where does that actually get you? By taking responsibility and figuring out, okay, this is what I should have done and this is what I can do on the next time. 
that's how you start making progress and removing your emotions from the situation and just objectively objectively looking at the scenario, looking at the situation, looking at if somebody messed up or if something went wrong and taking a step back and then just, just making the right adjustments from there. 100%. Amazing. So talk about winter marketing, right? What what the firm does, right? What's yeah. the, what like what was what was your inspiration for starting this company? You're playing professional football, right? You understand, okay, it's time it's time to, you know, exit that and I'm going to go into business for myself as opposed to go work for another company, right? What was what was the inspiration? What was the vision for that? When I first started winter marketing, I wanted to be an entrepreneur cuz I I don't like being told what to do. Yeah. That was that's part of it. The other part of it is I wasn't 100% sure that I was done with football and wanted to leave myself the freedom during the day to still train, work out the way that I wanted to, and do all the things that I still wanted to do. Um, you know, I didn't want to be stuck in an office or have to report to somebody necessarily. And so that was that was a lot of the motivation. I, you know, I'm, I'm a big time freedom person. Like I like controlling my schedule, which you know I think – for for former athletes, that can be a blessing and a curse because as an athlete, you're you're told exactly what to do, <laughs> where to be, what time to be there, how long you're going to be there, and when you step out into the real world and you're doing that all on your own, there's not a lot of accountability there in the way that there was before. So that was one of the things that I had to navigate as well as figuring that piece of it out. Um, but that was you know for just from a value perspective, that's why I decided to want to start a company versus go working at a marketing firm or something like that. And I studied marketing in college. I've always been drawn to marketing. I, I've always been drawn to business, but I'm not a huge analytical numbers guy. I don't want to be crunching numbers all day. Funny enough, obviously as a business owner, you are crunching numbers a lot, but it's it's a lot more fun when I think it's your thing that you're doing. The other part of it too is I've always really enjoyed communication, sales, persuasion, Psych human psychology, you know, buying psychology and all of those sorts of things. And so, you know, again, applying that to your own thing is, is also a lot more fun. Um, and I kind of look at it as even almost like a game now. And there's a lot of agency owners, coaches, business owners, people that are running in their lane and, and starting a business or doing whatever it is that they're doing. Um, and a, a lot of them are super emotionally attached to what they do, which is you know, I guess you can make an argument for it either way. But I, when I, I've seen success is when I've seen it more as a game and gamifying that experience and just seeing the place that I'm at right now is like a level that I need to get past in order to get to the next level. And just like a video game, the way you do that is you get the right people involved, you get the right systems involved, and then when you do, you get to the next level, and then you find the right people again, you find the right systems again, you just keep getting – more and more of that momentum on your side as you're progressing through it. So um, that's why that's why I started the company. Um, what we do at Winter Marketing is we help people in kind of two different ways. Um, the first thing that we do is help them online optimize their entire digital footprint. So if they have a brick and mortar store, or if they're selling an online product, or they're having a per they have a personal brand or a, some sort of a brand online. We, you know, we'll sit down and we'll do a full audit. You know, where are you showing up on search engines? You know, where are you showing up on social media? How, if you have bad content, you have no followers, and your, your just your community is not engaged with you, 
you're probably not going to have a lot of success with having a brand. So we help people optimize their brand online, help them with their content. We help them with their search engine results. We help them show up everywhere that's relevant to them online and make them look as good as they are in real life. Um, whether that's helping them get more reviews, whether that's helping them get real followers to their pages, helping them with their engagement, helping them with their content. And then from there, we do a lot of targeted outreach through social media to their ideal client, reaching out to people that would be a good fit for their business. So it's really just two steps of make sure they actually look good and then going out and finding the ideal people that they are trying to have conversations with and build relationships with. Amazing. The question that I have, right, let's go back to the 1950s Mad Men, right, which is print advertising, you know, television starting to really become more mainstream radio. Yeah. And you've seen the evolution of advertising and marketing of what it is today, right, where it's on the digital space, social media. Yeah. I mean, there is still print digital billboards, right? Those are still a component of marketing. But the question that I have, like in combination with that, right, how, how did that change the game of marketing, right? Since, you know, going back to the 1950s, I'm thinking Mad Men, right? If you watch that show, mm -hmm. to like where it is now, like how did social media and, and SEO and, and the internet, how did that change the game of marketing? I mean, it's been huge, obviously. It's, I think it's, uh, it's democratized attention. It's made it where you don't have to be a billion dollar or and back in that time, like multi-million dollar company to be able to afford to have advertisement spots in newspapers or anything like that. You know, now it's as simple as picking up a phone, recording something, taking a picture of something and posting it. So now that everybody's doing that, it's okay. Now, how do you start standing out? And I think where a lot of people that are a little bit behind the curve, what they're doing is they're just, they're now they're getting on social media or they're, they're figuring out what are the trends or what are the things that I should be posting or what are the things that are going to, I don't know, make me go viral versus thinking about like, what is their client actually looking for? Um, I think a big piece is, you know, and people will talk about this kind of like in dating too. It's like, you don't want to, you don't want to chase butterflies. You want to build a garden that attracts butterflies. And what I think what a lot of people are doing are they're chasing butterflies. There's no real structure. They're just posting things just that, oh, well, I know I should post, but there's no really thought or intent behind it. Um, so I think what, you know, online marketing has done for businesses, it's, it's given people equal access to success in that way of being seen. Now it just is coming down to how well are people doing it. Um, whereas, you know, again, before it was more so just about, you know, you're a big company, you're a Coca-Cola, you're a whatever, so you can afford to advertise where your competitors really can't, and then you just throw more and more and more and more money at it until you just basically outspend your competition. Now it's more about how skillful are you in your marketing and you know, how well are your advertising dollars actually working for you versus just throwing money at it. So there's a lot of people now that you can be very successful on relatively limited budgets compared to what it would have been relatively in the past. And um, I think that's probably been the biggest difference now is um, it's not just a money thing anymore. You can't, you know, like you can't just spend your way to success with, with marketing the way you could before. Yeah. There has to be actual authenticity and, and purpose behind it. You know, I, I, I'm, I have studied communication, right, the history of marketing, right? I'm, I'm not a guru like you, but I just think it's really interesting. If you've read the book, The Medium is the Message by Marshall McLuhan, 
It's a book in the 1960s, which essentially talks about like the way that we disseminate the message right to the masses in these different ways, right? Print, advertise, TV, like shapes the public perception. And so, you know, what you originally had, right, was major, you know, when, when TV first came out, there was like six channels, right? Everybody watched the same six channels and that was how they shaped the perception. And basically, you know, like the news is different than it was then, how it is today, right? That's a whole different conversation, but there is a disintermediation now between the information sources of social media, right? So yeah. what's amazing is like, you know, we still have celebrities, but I do think that the power of like celebrities has dis diminished somewhat because of the rise of social media where there's people, right? You could call them e-celebs, right? That go viral that like, for example, Zach Bryan, right? Zach Bryan, he's at the top of the charts now in, in country music because he posted a video, what was it on TikTok mm. that went viral like oh man this guy's good and you know now we know who zach bryan is so you have a lot of you know situations like that where people are reaching the heights of fame where it otherwise was going through traditional sources of hollywood or you know the music business this that and the other but through social media like talent can get discovered or messages can get out right yeah. and that's what you're helping to do right yeah yeah absolutely it's, it's helping people show up authentically helping them again a lot of people have great messages and a lot of people they're getting in front of a camera they're doing their best they're you're, they have got their little home studio set up which is which is all great and they're doing all that stuff but the problem that they're running into is that nobody's seeing it and unfortunately the people that are being seen are the ones that are getting that are good at marketing not necessarily the ones that have the best message or the best service or product or whatever it is and so that's that's really something that i'm passionate about is helping people show up online and make them good at look as good online as they are in real life um and I, you know I'm, i've just i've just seen it a bunch where people don't really know what they're talking about but they're really good at marketing and so you know it gives it gives business owners bad reputations when you know people promise things or they have all of these um things that they're saying they're going to deliver on and they don't because they just aren't good at what they do or they're not good people or they're just not honest people but they're really good at marketing Versus the people that are great people, they have great services, they get great results for their clients, but they just don't know how to put themselves out there. Those are the people that we work with the best. Wow. So cite an example of, you know, if you could just cite like a client of yours where, you know, they had this great product or great message and what you're able to do for them. Like, let's say they had 10 followers, I don't know, and you're able to scale that, right, and get their, their brand out, you know, how... Talk about the impact and then also like how you did that. Yeah, yeah. So, um, well, I mean, one that comes to mind is restaurants. So restaurants are, those are um, businesses that we do really well with. You know, when you're looking for something online, there's typically a couple places that you'll look. You'll look for like the best Italian restaurants near me if you're on Google. You might also look for it on social media. You might just look online for, you know, Italian food in San Diego or whatever that looks like. Um, so what we, what we were able to do for a client of ours is help them optimize their presence online, so their Google Maps ranking, getting them from a place where they were really like 50th or something like that in their local area to getting them into the top three within a matter of, um, I think it was like four or five months or something like that. That increased their organic searches by like a 1,000%. They were going from, you know, just statistically speaking, 
if you show up in the top three in your area for your service in your location, um, you know, nail salon near me, restaurant, Italian restaurant near me, you're going to get about 90% of the traffic in that area if you're in the top three. You drop out of that and you didn't that you know that the, you expand to that first page um, even on the bottom of that thing shows like 20 results you're still gonna get about you know a couple one two percent of the exposure um, even if you're still on that first page you go to the second page you're non-existent so just getting on the first page is huge getting in the top three is an absolute game changer um, so that's something that we help our clients do the other thing we were able to help them do um, this restaurant in particular is they went from like 2,000 something followers online to get them to over at like 40 or closer to 50,000 followers online and real followers driving real traffic to their page, um, you know, making sure that their content looked good. And then from there, once you have a really optimized looking presence online, we were able to do outreach for them. And over the course of a month, we helped them get like 700 reservations. So wow. reaching out to people in their local area, offering incentives to get people to just show up into the restaurant. Um, from that too, they got organically, they had like a social media influencer come by that had like over 2 million followers, gave them a shout out on their personal page, a whole more like new influx of traffic comes that way as well. And so it's, it's really about, it's about leverage and momentum. You know, a lot of people I think where they get stuck is they invest in a little bit of like growth on social media or they invest in ads or they invest in content and they just expect that to bring in new people. That's just for the first half of it. It's about that leverage that you now go and use that to go get more leverage. Um, you know, we like we help people get featured in press as well and help them get featured in podcasts and all those other sorts of things. And some, some people, they think, oh, cool, like I just invested in growing my page. I just got on this one podcast. Like, okay, where are the results? Um, it's, it's like that's it's such a short-term view on marketing and building a brand. Like if you're trying to really build a, a, a garden that's worth coming to and worth, you know, having people consistently come to and building a brand around that, it's going to take work. And so it's about building that initial momentum and then leveraging it to go on, you know, get on bigger podcasts or get around bigger people. Or um, now that, you know, this, this client of ours, now that they've started to see really awesome success there just with the growth that they've had. Um, now it's an opportunity for them to double down even more on content, even collaborating with other food influencers or other pages or other things like that. So it's, you know, it's the th probably one of the biggest mistakes that I've seen is people, they just invest in content or they just invest in, you know, making their page look a little bit better, but there's no, there's no next move for them. They think, Oh, well I'm posting, like I'm doing this thing. Like this should, this should bring me in the clients. Like it's, it's about what's the next thing after that. Wha how are you leveraging that to create more momentum? Yeah, constant growth, right? How are you going to be yeah. able to grow that, right? And I know right. that we've had that conversation, you know, internally about you know growing this podcast, right? And you know, and I'm sure having those conversations, right? There's got to be a strategy to it. Yeah, you know. Yeah, absolutely. It it all starts with strategy. You, um, you know, again, like you you have to keep the end in view and the end in mind whenever you're starting anything. Um, and I think probably, you know, a lot of people, like most of us, we're all short-sighted, uh, instant gratification type of people. And so we're expecting, you know, 30-day results. Or it's the same thing when people are trying to lose weight. Like, oh, gosh, I was working out for a month, and I only lost two pounds. Well, dude, it's a, it's, 
you know, you got to lose 80, so it's going to take a little bit longer to get there. So it's, it's um, if you can have patience and kind of see the larger vision. And the other part of it, too, I mean, that's that's a really easy way for marketers to also, like, weasel themselves out of getting good results for people. Oh, you got to just trust the process. But, it, you know, if the process <laughs> isn't laid out or it's not heading in the right direction. There is no process. There is no process. So, you know, like, I, I, I'm a... I think my risk aversion is pretty low. Like I'm, I'm pretty, um, I have a pretty high risk tolerance. Um, and I think, you know, I've, I've made mistakes because of that, but I've also made a lot of really awesome things happen in my life because of that as well. Like, um, you know, even going back to football, I, I knew I was good enough to play at the division one level. I didn't have any D one offers out of high school. So I bet on myself and I risked not having anything by going to a junior college first and ended up getting some D1 um, looks and offers, ended up getting hurt, losing all of that, and decided to walk on at San Jose State and then earn a scholarship. So there's been a lot of those moments in my life that I look back on where I've risked a lot of things, but when you do that and you are all in and you sell out for yourself, you kind of back yourself into a corner. You're going to make something happen. So that's something that I've been able to do, and that's something, too, like, you know, when I tell people is, you know, if you are really, if you're risk averse as a business owner, it's going to be really hard. It's going to be really hard to grow. Like, yeah, you're, you're probably going to make some mistakes along the way. Yeah, you might invest in something that wasn't going to work out for you or didn't work out, but you learn lessons along the way versus, um, you know, getting to the end of your life. I always tell people, too, there's, there's two fears that we live by in life. Everybody lives by one of two fears. It's either the fear of failure or it's the fear of regret, right? And the fear of failure is, oh gosh, what if, this isn't, what if this investment doesn't work out? Or what if I spend all this money? What if I invest in my personal brand, but it doesn't work out? Or people think I'm dumb or people think this or whatever. That's really what it comes down to is people that you're like, oh, we're afraid of what other people think of us or all of those things. Versus getting to the end of your life, being 80, 90 years old, sitting on your deathbed and being like, dude, I really didn't do anything with my life. Like, I didn't yeah. step out. I didn't try anything new. I didn't take a risk. And that, to me, that fear is so much worse than failing because you're going to fail either way. And people will say, like, oh, I'd rather just go the safe route. I'd rather just stay comfortable and do what I'm doing. Well, there's no guarantee that that's going to work out either. There's been, I mean, over the last few years with COVID, there's a lot of people that played it safe. And also, they still had the same economic downturn that everybody else did. So at the end of the day, safety is, uh, is an illusion. There's no guarantee of safety either way. So you might as well risk it to go chase what you want to do, yeah. go chase your dreams. Because either way, it's actually riskier to be safe and to stay where you're at. 100%. I mean... God forbid, a plane could crash into this building right now and we could go <laughs> up in flames. Yeah. But, you know, like, there's so many things that are out of our control, right? I mean, I, I think about that every day. Like, I'm so blessed that God has given me this day, and I count my blessings of, like, I'm here with my eyesight, my hands, I can walk, all this, right? Right, and, and, and those are the things that we take for granted. But, you know, what you talked about, right, is is – you know, we had this conversation yesterday, and this is a great segue of analysis paralysis, right? Reading all these books, right? Having ideas, but ultimately you have to pull the trigger, right? right. I mean, there's been, I mean, just starting this podcast, I went through a whole, you know, mental 
jujitsu of like, oh, it's, should I do it? Should I start it now? This, that, and the other. And then, you know, I have some mentors are like, you just got to start it. You got to yeah. do it. You're going to make mistakes, right? And ultimately, that's the way that you learn. You can read every single book, right? Like on leadership or management, but unless you're actually leading people or managing people, you're never going to know how to do that. Right. Right. And I, th- and, and, and that is a, and that's something that we talked about yesterday, right? Like you talked about how the amygdala, I'm not, how do you say it, the amygdala? Oh, the amygdala. Amygdala, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the, your, your fight or flight response. That's where that's, that's where that's triggered in your brain. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's so, cause I see it, you know, there's so many people that just don't take action and just on the little things too, right? Like going to work out or like going to apply for that job. I hear, I just hear excuses like, Oh, like I'm probably not going to get it. Like I remember a few months ago I was at a, I was at a party and this guy was like a couple years out of high school or college rather. And I was telling him what I did, you know? Yeah. You know, I've been working in the tech industry. I do this, that, and the other. I'm like, what are you doing, man? He's like, oh, I'm a waiter right now. I'm like, oh, that's cool. It's cool. He's like, yeah, I don't want to do it anymore, this, that, and the other. I'm like, oh, okay. I'm like, what do you want to do? He's like, well, I've thought about this. I've thought about, like, working in the tech industry. I'm like, well, dude, like, I can help you, man. Like, I'm certainly happy to open up that door, have a conversation with you. Like, I've been doing this. He's like, yeah, but I hear it's, like, really tough to break in, like, all this. And I'm like, well, dude, you're not going to st- – you're, you're never going to start if you don't take that. Like you, you just told me you're not happy. Like, why aren't you doing something to change your life? Right. And like, it's what we tell each ourselves, right? Like you're, so, you're, you, it makes sense. Like you're telling me you're not happy in your current position, but you're not going to take action to change that. It's the most frustrating yeah. thing. It's the most, fr- and again, there's only so much that you can do. I think for me, one of the things that I've really, leaned on like in helping people make decisions like that because i i still like i do sales i love i love that process is helping people understand that they are not their fears they're not like don't identify with your fears like if you're feeling that fear in your amygdala of gosh i don't want to do this or i'm just comfortable right now that's your amygdala speaking to you because it wants to protect you it wants to keep you safe it's your flight it's your flight or fight response right like it wants to make sure that you're not going to go jump off a cliff but at the same time, it's also that voice that when your alarm clock goes off at five o'clock in the morning, it's that voice that's telling you to stay in bed or that voice that's telling you, uh, don't call that person or don't do that. It'll be weird. Like d- we just want you to be comfortable and comfort or safety. Again, what we've even said is uh, that's an illusion. But when, when we do that, we're like we're preventing ourselves from being the, fir- the future version of ourselves that we really want to be. So sometimes you just have to help people understand like those feelings that you have of fear that amygdala response that is telling you to just stay where you're at be comfortable that's not you that's not serving your future self so let's just tell that voice to shut up for like 15 seconds let's make a decision and then from there now you have a new status quo a new norm that your amygdala will catch up to and then everything will be fine it's just people are so afraid to get past that 15 seconds of being uncomfortable. It's that 15 seconds of, all right, I got to get out of bed. That's that 15 seconds of, okay, I just got in this cold plunge. I want to get out right now. Whatever that looks like, it's you, you just got to tell that thing to shut up for 15 seconds, make a decision, and then on the other side of it, if you know it's the right thing to do, your brain will catch up and make you right. 100%. So what do you think are some things people can do that are in that kind of negative thinking of not taking action right like how does somebody get started with 
you know, I'm a big believer in momentum, right? In areas of life, you start working out, you have more energy, right? Then you get more ambitious, right? You want to make more money or you want to, you know, try this thing, this, that, and the other. Like, how does somebody start on that journey where they're like, you know, I'm, I'm not where I want to be. I want to take steps in my life to get better. Hmm. This is such a de- hotly debated quote of how you do one thing is how you do all things. Right? Yeah. How you do small things is how you do big things. And there's some people, I've heard it both ways. <laughs> no, that's not true. Yes, that's true. Yes, it's not true or whatever. And, you know, to your point of momentum, I think it is true. I think that if you get up and, you, you know, Alex from Ozzy talks yeah, about yeah. this. He's like, dude, like, I don't make my bed. Like, what is that? Like, me putting a sheet over the sheet that I'm going to take off later to go back into the bed. Like, is that really going to help me make more money? No, it's not. But if, if you're somebody that you're stacking wins, you need momentum, like, um, you know, all those other things that you're looking for, you do need to start building momentum in some way. And, and it, it could be as simple as I told myself I'm going to make my bed in the morning and I'm going to do it. Like, that's what they say confidence is, right? It's, it's um, just being true to yourself. Or if you say that you're going to do something, it's, it's affirming that identity by doing the thing that you said you were going to do. So... If, if you're that person, there's a couple things. I think you start doing the little things. You start building momentum there. And the other part of it is you have to be very honest with yourself and cut out the things that are preventing you from getting there. For some people, it's they drink too much. They play too many video games. They have, you know, a sex issue or a porn issue or whatever that looks like. Yeah. Um, and, you know, people talk a lot about addiction and obviously, like, there's been people that have been very successful that have also had like these deep addictions or whatever. And that stuff always comes to the light. Um, the way that I've started to look at like vices or things that you should or shouldn't be doing is it's just not optimal. It's not yeah. optimal for what you're trying to do in your life. And so the faster that you can just cut all that stuff out and replace it by stacking little wins the more confidence you build, the more momentum that you build within yourself to be able to make those decisions. But at the end of the day, you just got to do it. Like whatever the thing is that you're putting off or the decision that you're making to invest in yourself or your business or whatever that is, like do your research. Don't be dumb. But at some point, you're not going to know what the results going to look like until you actually just do it. Yep. Just jumping in. And so, you know, don't allow yourself to – Give yourself the excuse of, well, I didn't make my bed this morning, so I'm not going to invest in this. Thing. Like, dude, just do it. Just do it and let your brain make you right. Like, y- you know, your, your brain's not going to – if you make a bad decision even um, or a stretch decision and you, you go after it with everything you have, you're, you're going to figure it out in some way. 100%, yeah. I'm not, and I'm a, I'm a big believer in, you know, routine, right? So I'm mm-hmm. somebody that gets up at 5 every morning, makes my bed. And then, you know, I go through my affirmations, my prayer, and then I hit the gym. My gym opens up at 6, right? So wins, right? Like you said, stacking those wins. Yeah. Boom. Wake up early, earlier than most, make my bed, pray, affirmations, right? Get my mind ready. Then, you know, read a little bit, right, for like 20 minutes, book I'm reading, right? Read 20 pages or so, and then boom, hit the gym. And then from there, you know, I'm getting my day started with what I need to get done. But I do believe in that momentum. And I also do kind of agree when they say – Again, like you're right. The, like, yeah. If just because you didn't make your bed doesn't mean like your day is gonna be bad. 
right? You can't let that like if you if you do hit the snooze button, like there's still stuff to get done. Right. Right. Yeah. So don't let that ruin. It's so funny to me. Like, you know, everyone's wearing those like whoop watches or those sleep trackers. Yeah. And I don't wear those things. And I think a big part of it is I just know myself. Like if I woke up and I saw that my score for my sleep was not very good, then the rest of the day I'm going to be like thinking about that and being like, oh, well, today is just not going to be very, be exactly. very good or I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to be as productive today. And it's because I didn't sleep very well versus just getting up and whether or not I had a good sleep score or not, like just just getting after it either way. So, I, you know, there's there's a lot to be said about that. But yeah, it's, it's just it's just a matter of like stop. Stop letting your desire for comfort prevent you from being the person that you want to be. Hundred percent. I mean, the si- like the situation is never going to be ideal, and that's something that I learned in the military, right? The Marine Corps and the Army is like, you know, some days you're just gonna get three hours, four hours of sleep, but still stuff still needs to get done. Like you're gonna find a way, right? You're gonna be tired, right? But ultimately, like you have to perform, right? Because there's people counting on you, right? And uh, yeah, I, I agree, man. I mean, it's it's a give and take for both. I think you definitely want to try to have a routine as much as possible and at least designate, for me, like the earliest part of your day to yourself, right? Like have that time, right? Be in the Lord or, you know, do what you need to do. And then that does set the foundation for the rest of the day. So I think that is important. The question I wanted to ask, and this is something I've been thinking about just as I reflect on my life, is – you know, you talked about your goals, right? Your plan, like, you know, you said I'm gonna play in the NFL, and I had dreams of playing in the NFL too. So I actually, I didn't mention it, but I played at a junior college too. But that was the end of the road for me. Mm-hmm. I didn't go on further like you did, but I had those big dreams and aspirations. I was reaching for more, right? And although you didn't make it to, you played professional football, you didn't make it to the NFL, but you pivoted into something else. You know, talk about like having those lofty dreams and ambitions. You know, maybe you don't meet it completely, but how that sets you up for success in something else. Yeah, I think when you're reaching for something big, you have to be the best mm-hmm. version of yourself. I, I think that, that people say that about entrepreneurship. You either become su- a successful entrepreneur or you starve and die. You know, it's, it's kind of one of those two things. There's really not a place for comfort when you are an entrepreneur, just like there's not really a place for comfort if you're chasing after a big dream, like trying to go play in the NFL. So all the same mindset things that you learn in chasing that dream transcends into everything else that you're doing. I think where people get lost is they don't see that all of these things that I've been doing to chase my dream, if it didn't work out, they still apply to whatever I'm gonna do next. It's just about finding that next thing the way that I looked at it when I got done playing football, I started the marketing company, but I was doing other things too. Like I was going to acting school. I was on a couple like Netflix like shows. Um, I was doing some other things. And yeah, I, I think it's just about trying as many different things as possible. Like the way that I looked at it is I want to give myself as much ammunition, just feed myself with as many different experiences as I can, and then take all of those things and piece them together like a puzzle. And I think that's what – that's where I'm at right now. And who knows, 15 years from now, 10 years from now, I might be in a different place doing something different. But the the person that I am today is the result of all the experiences that I have put myself out and done and stepped out of my comfort zone. Like acting school was yeah. not comfortable. Um, some of these other things that I've done have not been comfortable. They're fun. And I learned a lot through all of those different things. Some of them weren't as fun as others, but 
you just have to go out and, and, and get to know yourself. I'm a big proponent of doing different things. I've, I've got to travel a lot. I've got to experience a whole bunch of different things. And the more that you can load up your psyche with new experiences, new things, and give yourself as much ammunition as possible, that's where you start to find your uniqueness and your lane of what you want to be doing. 100%. And, you know, for me, right, out of high school, I wasn't a good student, but I knew I wanted to play football, so I went to a junior college, right? And then from there, you know, to be able to play football, you got to go to school. Well, I started actually taking school seriously, and, you know, I ended up graduating, got my associates, right? Um, joined the Marine Corps Reserves and then, you know, did that. And then I graduated and a couple years later transferred to the Army and, you know, got, you know, start off enlisted and then commissioned. And then in that, you know, I came back down to San Diego, started working in the tech industry, and then I started getting involved in politics, right? And then that led to media opportunities, that led to meet people, this, that, and the other. Realized, like, hey, I really enjoyed the media aspect of communications. I want to start a podcast, right? And so, all these different experiences have led to one another. And while there was like never, I had goals, but maybe they weren't reached completely, but they opened up doors for other things. Yeah. And I think that's where sometimes people, they get frustrated or deterred. It's like the goals may be lofty and there's, they, they tell themselves they're never going to reach them, but you're better served to work your, your ass off and yeah. try to get it. Because either way, you're going to be a better person for it, as opposed to just saying, "Well, it's not worth it." Like, why? You know, my dad always used to say. So my dad was a professional musician, right? He had a very unique career, mm. you know, traveling, touring. You know, you got to meet like John Mayer, his one of his best friends produced his albums, right? He uh, he was a mentor to Jim Croce, uh, AJ Croce, Jim Croce, right? So um, at one point, Dave Matthews Band was opening for. Uh, his band, right? So he got to meet all these people and we would go as to my brothers and I and see my dad, right? Doing something that he loved and was mm. so passionate about. And he always told my brothers and I, why can't it be you, mm. right? So why can't you play in the NFL? Why can't you go do this, that, and the other? And I think that you have to have that mindset of like anything's possible if you work hard. Yeah, you know? yeah. The people that say that they can and the people that think that they can and the people that think they can't, so they're both right. 100%. And even if you don't end up achieving the thing that you wanted, you would have never done it if you didn't think you could. So you might as well think you can and at least give yourself a shot. Exactly. That's the way I've always looked at it. And, you know, I, I have people in my life and people that I know that, you know, even like taking football as an example, they took the safe route. They went to maybe like a school that they know they're going to get into or play at and, you know, wasn't you know, the division one level were as competitive as they probably could have gone and played. And, you know, that that's the route that they decided to choose. Um, but on the other side of risk, there's so much potential for great things happening. I mean, some of the greatest relationships that I have in my life have been as a result of me stepping out and taking risk. So the way that I look at risk now is like, I love it. Like it's an opportunity for something new to happen. It can be scary at times, but again, I think one of the things that I've done is is really detached myself emotionally from the outcome and just fall in love with the process. That was something that I also learned playing football, and I had to learn that the hard way because I was so emotionally attached to the outcome of playing football. Like I was so emotionally attached to being an NFL quarterback that, or being the starter when I was at San Jose State, or that when things didn't happen the way that I thought it was going to happen, it destroyed me because I was so attached to that versus 
seeing the, the whole picture, seeing the process is what I needed to be attached to emotionally. So now that I'm in business, like that's how I see risk is, okay, like let me be smart about this. I have this problem that I need solved in my business. This is somebody that can solve it. Is it a risk inherently by hiring it? Yeah. Is it also a risk by not doing anything and just playing it the same way that I've been doing it? Yeah. So which ones, which one do I want to do? Well, I'd rather be in this position, at least give myself the opportunity to learn this skill, learn this problem, fix this problem or whatever to get to the next level versus just staying where I'm at. So it becomes a really easy decision for me at that point. Um, and money can always be figured out too. I think that's one thing that gets stuck on a lot of people is they have such a limited mindset around money and Typically, those people are very stingy. They're very fear-based. Yeah. And they're, like, almost miserly. And it's like, dude, who wants to be that person? Like, nobody wants to be that person. Yeah. Well, how do you fix that? You start giving money. You start, for us, like, you know, we're, we go to church. Like, we tithe. We give above that. Like, all those different things. That's how you get yourself into a place of just seeing money as a resource and not being so emotionally attached to it. Um, we had somebody on our podcast recently that was a uh, stock trader or a day trader, excuse me. And so he is almost desensitized by money at this point because he can lose $100,000 in a day or make $3 million in a day. Like, it's just, it, to him, it's almost just a number. Um, and, th you know, there's some people that probably wouldn't be the healthiest way to view money either. But I think that if you start seeing money as, this is just a tool, right? In the old days, people, they traded shovels or they traded whatever to be able to get whatever they needed. That's what money is. It's just a tool. So if you're if you're scared about investing in something because, oh, gosh, like, I don't know if I can afford this or I can. Can you afford not to do it? That's the question that I always ask uh, that I'll, uh, that I think about or I would ask people is can you afford not to do it based on what your goals are, based on where you're at currently. Can you afford to not do this? Um, then you can always figure out the money when you figure out, like, I'm making this decision to change. The money is gonna. It's that that that's just a natural byproduct of that process. Um, so that's something that's never like worried me now. It's but it's because I think I've gone through that phase of being detached from the outcome and just seeing the process as what I need to be focused on. Hundred percent. You know, as the Bible says, it's better to to give than to receive, right? And you know, what you put out in the world is like what you give back, right? I'm a big believer in the law of attraction, right? So, you know. Y the abundance mindset of money, right? It is a tool, right? And money, when people say money is the root of all evil, right? The obsession with money. Yeah, that the is love evil. of money. The is, love of money, yeah. right? Understand, like, what it can do, what it can do to help, the impact, right? How it can, you know, take your business to the next level to yeah. make, you know, impact and, you know, to support your family, this, that, and the other, right? And, like, nobody likes someone that's stingy or miserly, right? Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, it, it money is, um, you know, whenever you invest in something or pay for something, it's just in a, it's an exchange of energy. So if you see somebody that they're doing the thing that you want done in your business or in your life and they're doing it and, you know, again, that's now in this day and age, you got to be careful because people are good at faking that they're doing yes. it. But if you know that they're doing it and you trust the process of how they're doing it, then by you investing in that, then it's, it's, a, it's an energy exchange then their energy is now your energy and now you're also on that same path. So it's exciting. It, it, it makes yeah. you, it makes you look at investing in things in a whole different light of like, dude, I like what this guy's got going on. I like what they're doing. Like, okay. Yeah. It's, it's going to cost me something, but of course it's going to cost me yeah, something as anything does as anything Time, does money, resources, yeah. you know, 
totally. Yeah, you know, I think one of the other things, and I think this was Alex Ramosi too, was he talks about um, the biggest cost that people have every year is the ignorance tax. And if your earning potential as a human being is $3 million a year, but you're currently making $100,000 a year, that means that there's you're paying every year $2.9 million in ignorance tax just because you won't go invest in the thing that you know you we, you need to invest in to start getting on the path of getting closer to making $3 million a year. Yeah. So people don't understand that. Like, you are already investing in something. You are already paying something. It's just producing something that you don't like, but you're just not aware of it because you're ignorant to it. Once you start to understand, like, there's an ignorance tax on my life, then you start paying a, You start paying mentors. You start paying coaches. You start paying you know, good agencies to help you with your business because you want to get to whatever that level is because that 10 grand that you throw into marketing becomes a lot l more stomachable when you compare it to $2.9 million that you're losing out on just because you won't fix your ignorance problem. Yeah, that 10 grand can, you know, have an ROI that right. gets you that 3 million, right? Gets you those, those customers, gets you those followers and that's where it comes with thinking bigger picture, right? Like in what you talked about is I'm a big picture thinker too. And of course the numbers are important, but what is the vision, right? Like what is, what is the ambitious vision that you have? And that's going to set the tempo if you're for yourself, right? By thinking big. And also if you're leading a team, right? You're describing the culture, right? Of, of, of thinking big, like what are our goals, right? So like, I mean, you, you have people that work for you, right? So what I'm interested in learning, how many people do you have like working for you right now? Um, it kind of just depends, yeah. depending on just certain things that we're doing. But um, it, we have a pretty pretty healthy team right now. Like good, we, we bring on account managers or different things for certain projects. Or, um, but in house we've got, I mean, we've got a couple sales guys. We've got appointment setters, social media person. Um, we're gonna be bringing on an operations person here pretty soon. So. Yeah, dude, we're, we're, our team's yeah. growing, dude. Yeah. Yeah. No, so you're a leader and, you know, you're, you're, you're founder, you're a leader. So yeah. talk about that. Like, you set high expectations for yourself, right? Goals for yourself for winter marketing. How do you lead, how do you, how do you lead that with your team, right? How do you, how do you foster that growth in your team? Yeah. I mean, that's such a, that's a huge, con like, topic. Um, this is going to sound so cheesy, man, but you got to care about people. Yes. You got to care. Yes. You know, I think, dude, I've, so I've worked with other business owners, other, have even partnered with agencies at times where they view employees as cogs in the machine, right? Or just another number or whatever. And it's like, it's really, it's disgusting because you see them, they put on this whole front of like, oh, I care about, at the end of the day, they just care about themselves just care about um, their bottom line and it's so obvious it's so clear whether they're you know they a lot of people are really good at masking that but eventually it comes to light and your employees can feel that the people that work with you can feel that your clients can feel that but when you actually care about people and you say you know what dude if we even if we go a little bit over budget on our end for what we thought this was gonna cost us if this makes a big difference for our client or for or employee, you know, it makes it makes like I would rather pay for talent that kills it and does way better than I do than me figuring it out on my own. Um, 
but you have to care about those people. You know, I, I think um, a mentor of mine told me that your biggest task as like a founder or a business owner is attracting the right people and keeping them with you as long as possible. Not even like bottom line, revenue, sales, everything else. Your goal, your job as an entrepreneur, as a business owner is to attract the right people on your team and keep them there longer than anybody else, right? Or make it more attractive for them to stay with you than it is to leave and go start their own thing or do work with somebody else. Well, how do you do that? You gotta get to know them. You gotta get to know what their their goals are, what their motivation is. Because a lot of them, yeah, it's money. But a lot of them too, it's they wanna feel seen. They wanna feel like their work is being making an impact. They wanna feel like um, whatever gifts or talents that they have, they get to fully articulate that. So it's it's just giving people freedom within that to be themselves and make them feel seen, cared for, all that stuff. So um, that's something that's really important to me is I want to make sure that anybody that works with me, whether they're a client, whether they're on my team or whatever that looks like, that they just feel loved, they feel yeah. seen, they feel all those things because at the end of the day, that's going to help them feel the most fulfilled. And sometimes that means having co hard conversations, you know, that doesn't mean that everything's just lollipops and rainbows like you know sometimes you, you, you got to have hard conversations but it's loving you know it's loving in a way that it's like you're better than this like and we both know it but you're better than this so how can like what can i do and then it goes back to the responsibility thing on my end like how can i help you how can i help you you know i think um one way that i look at it is um instead of looking to like how you know punish a person if they're not doing the right thing or an employee or whatever, and saying, like, I'm going to decentivize you with money. Like, or you're going to make less now because you're not doing the thing that I told you to do versus meeting them where they're at and helping them get to the place where they are or they're producing what you're paying them. So I think a lot of people, they'll, they'll see what someone's producing and they'll say, okay, well, I'm going to cut down what I'm paying that person then to meet what they're producing rather than seeing where they're producing and helping them get to the level of er producing at the level that they are earning at. So, you know, it's, that's, that's how you develop people. That's how you get people to stay. 100%, right? People aren't going to care until you show them that you care. Yeah. Right? And as a leader, you understand that there's people that are working under you. And for the longest time, it was top-down leadership. That's the way that it was espoused through corporate America. Right. You know, military, right? Th that the traditional structure. But now we're – you know, we, we've incorporated a, the leadership style of servant leadership, which I think is, you know, the common leadership style that we've tried to promote. And I'm a big fan of that because as a leader, right, you have to make the hard decisions, but you also have to step in and, and lead and, and help out those. You have to be able to know your job well, right, but also empower those to do the job that they can do, right, mm -hmm. and, and breathe life into them, like breathe, breathe those positive words into them right because some people need those pick-me-ups right like yeah. you need to you need to highlight you need to show them the light within themselves right they yeah. may be in a dark spot or they may be discouraged but you got to breathe life into them you got to always you know be positive you yeah. always got to hey guys there's a bigger vision here there's a bigger purpose right yeah and i think sometimes and i know i've been in environments where leadership it's just all about the leader right it's all about like let's make upper management look good let's make you know, make sure we make the general look good as opposed to like, mm. hey, you know, the well-being of the people, like, let's help them achieve their goals and collectively, right, 
we're all going to achieve together. You know, there's a Steve Mariucci when he was coaching Brett Favre. Yeah. Right. He he had a great quote. Um, you know, when you're looking for a f- when you when you when you're on a football team, when you're coaching a football team, what you really want is characters with character. Hmm. Right. So you want people to be who they are. Right. They that what makes them true, t- truly spectacular as an individual. But they also have that character, mm-hmm. right, of integrity and perseverance and all these people coming together, right? As you know, on a football team, right, we grew up playing football. There's, you know, there was the diva receiver, you yeah. know, the, the the gritty offensive lineman, you know, the, the genius quarterback, the nerdy quarterback, right? It's all of these different parts that aren't going to all fit into one box, but that's the spectacular thing about a team, right? Everybody's yeah. in their own lane. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's, the, again, just another reason I love playing quarterbacks is you get to – Marry all of those different personalities into one, and um, there's a lot of conflicts, <laughs> negotiation that goes on during that time. That now, like, uh, there's things that I'm doing now where, you know, it, if an account manager is having an issue with what the expectations that were set by a salesperson are, then you got to be able to navigate those those things and make sure that everything's, you know, everybody's on the same page. But you're right; it's it's navigating those different personalities and making everybody buy into the larger vision that you have. Definitely, definitely. Well, we're uh, two weeks out from the Super Bowl. Do you have any predictions? Well, Niners, obviously. Okay, um, why? Why? Well, first of all, I'm a huge Niner fan. Okay. Um, but second of all, I, I do feel like they're a better team. I, I you know, they played each other a couple years ago in the Super Bowl. Obviously, I think the Niners are better now than they were a couple years ago, and I think the Chiefs are not as good as they were a couple years ago um, relative to now. So, I um, I feel good about it. I think that we're gonna have to. Just get after Pat Mahomes um, up front and shut down Travis Kelsey. And I think if we do that, we're going to do really well. And offensively, I think we just got to take care of the ball and be smart and consistent like we've been all year. And um, I, I could see us blowing them out. I could see us winning close, but um, I don't really see us losing, I guess. Okay. What's, gonna, what's the final score prediction? Oh, man. Really think about this, you know. Again, because the other part of it is you can't ever count out Pat Mahomes. You can't count. You can't count out Andy Reid. Those guys have so much experience, especially in this game specifically. So, um, you know, I don't think they're gonna lay over. Um, if I had to put a score down, I would say um, I would say twenty-one thirty-five. Okay. Twenty-one thirty-five. I'm going to hold you to that as I place my bets. All right. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel good about it. I think we're going to run the ball well on them, and I think we'll have some good pass plays down the field that are going to expose them a little bit. So we'll see. Hopefully in a couple weeks I'm right. <laughs> Amazing. Well, Michael, this has been a great conversation. Um, you know, just uh, want to close here, and, uh, you know, if you want to give any final thoughts or, you know, any final parting words and just – also where people can find you right if they want to utilize your services if you know they're interested in learning more about you or your company you know please share yeah yeah so um my like personal instagram is michael s carillo c-a-r-r-i-l-l-o and um, the company is winner marketing w-y-n-n-e-r marketing winner with a y starts with your why starts with your purpose and um Final words, man. I, I guess maybe the, just the biggest lesson that I've learned just throughout my entire football career and past that is just being present and not getting ahead of myself, not catastrophizing things that could 
potentially be or anything like that. And uh, just just being present. I think that if everybody was just more present, uh, you know, the world would be a better place. And any days that I feel myself not having a good day, it's probably because I'm not being present and I'm not focusing on what's right in front of me and just being where my feet are. And um, yeah, that's something that I try to live by every day. Amen, brother. Amen. Well, thank you, Michael. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was awesome.